Ah, Trinity Sunday, that day all of us look forward to all year long. I have to tell you, if there's been one benefit for me that comes from preaching sermons online or only being able to see a portion of your faces, it is that this may be the first Trinity Sunday since I've been a priest that I have not had to look out at the pews for the next 10 minutes or so and see nearly everyone totally confused and scratching their heads. You can scratch your head and I will see that. So try to pretend like it's just itchy if, if you get confused. Last Sunday I told you that Pentecost was one of my favorite church celebrations. But what I didn't tell you was that to really enjoy the ordinary time that follows the Feast of Pentecost, the church first has to wade its way through this following Sunday that's dedicated to the solemnity of the Holy Trinity. And that's what we're going to try to do this morning, wade our way through our faith in one God in three persons, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Bet you're glad you get out in the rain for that one, right, this morning? And it really isn't as if a saint who set up a church calendar just decided to drop the Trinity on us without any bit of a setup. As I mentioned last week, the story of the first day of Pentecost is really the great finale of the heart and soul of the Christian story. And it definitely points us in the direction of God in three persons. So let's start here just one more time with this setup for the day we've arrived at, Trinity Sunday. First, God comes down to earth to be with us in the person of his only begotten son, Jesus Christ. And after a short time, just 33 years, as tradition tells us, of revelation, teaching, and miraculous acts, Jesus Christ, the Son of God, dies on the cross to take upon him and take away from us the sins of the world and offer us grace and salvation. Jesus rises from the dead, destroying the wages of sin, and offers to all who believe in him and follow him that same promise of forgiveness, resurrection, and defeat of death. That in itself could be the finale, the Easter story. But you see, Jesus now has to ascend into heaven back to God the Father in order to finish the last part of this great offering in human form before God the Creator. That's deep stuff I know, but because Jesus ascends to heaven, even if we already know that the ultimate story is going to end a certain way, we still are called upon to wait for the completion of that story in Jesus' final return, which will bring a new heaven and a new earth together. So, while we're waiting, we still need God to be with us. We need God as our advocate, com comforter, sanctifier, and director here on earth. This third person of God appears to us on that first day of Pentecost when we're told the Holy Spirit appears, bringing tongues of fire to give birth to the church, and the church's number one goal from that point onward, which is to share the good news of Jesus with the whole world. So that's it. God, the creator of heaven and earth, Jesus Christ, the Son of God, and the Holy Spirit, God's advocate in the world now. Three totally different divine persons, yet always equally one in God. This is the Holy Trinity. One plus one plus one equals what? One. That's right. So what's not to understand? You got it? <laughs> if only it was that easy, right? 
Almost immediately, the question should be starting to pop in your brain. How can God be Jesus, and yet Jesus, you just told us, needs to ascend to heaven to return to God? And if the Holy Spirit is the same as God and Jesus, why must the church now wait for Christ's return to bring heaven and earth together? Doesn't that mean God is already here with us in the Holy Spirit? See, you heard that, right? Is that not what I just said? So this is why the church has set aside this Sunday for we blessed clergy to try and clarify it all for you one more time. Only as every priest certainly knows, and I'm sure most of you have heard before, nearly every image we could use to try and help you understand the Holy Trinity has somewhere through the ages, by some council of the church, been declared a heresy. Yes, if I pull out that good old shamrock with the three petals on the one stem, just as St. Patrick did, that can't be right because even though the three are connected, the leaves are only parts or portions of that one plant and not fully independent of the other if one of them is removed. And this has been declared the ancient heresy of partialism. I'm sure you know that one well. And if we say that water can exist in three different forms, liquid, steam, and ice, well, then you're in a situation where each is only a different form or mode or mask of the other, and not wholly God in each personhood of the three, which was declared long ago the ancient heresy of modalism. And so it goes, even when we think we've got it all figured out, we immediately find that we have failed to get it right once again. Why is that? Well, as hard as this will be to accept for our very 21st century logical, rational brains, I think it's actually quite simple. It is because God is God. And God is beyond what we have the ability as human beings to ever fully break down, comprehend, or understand. Yes, the Bible, as most of you know, is full of its own analogies of who or what God is. We have God the Father. We have God the Rock. God described as breath. God described as a flaming torch, a nursing mother, a castle, a king on a throne, an eagle with pinions, a strong arm, and on and on and on. But of course, all of these are simply a best try for us to lay out who God is with what we as human beings can think about. And each and every time, they all fall totally short of getting us really any closer to a full and deep understanding of the makeup and the image of God. Even the name of God given to Moses in Exodus chapter 3, verse 14, doesn't do anything to help us. God says, I am who I am. Or as a good Jew would never say, the tetragrammaton of Hebrew consonants Yahweh, which is without question, first and foremost, a direct declaration of the impossibility of our human understanding to ever be able to reach the who, the what, the how, or the when that God is. God says simply, I am who I am. So if the very name of God gives us nothing, and if there are no analogies or metaphors that work for us, then maybe, just maybe, the Christian struggle 
with what the Holy Trinity, God in three persons, is, brings us to the same simple fact. God is God. And the understanding of God as Father, Son, and Holy Spirit really just allows for a deeper understanding of something else. The love of God, which soothes our hearts more than it ever affects our struggling minds. And isn't that why faith is still the most important thing for all of us who make up the church. I have to tell you, for me, that's what is being revealed this Trinity Sunday morning in that rather odd reading taken from the very last three verses of St. Paul's second letter to the Corinthians. In these final verses, the brevity of which I know you are all thankful for after hearing a very excellent reading of the entire first chapter of the book of Genesis, In that short reading, St. Paul is giving his closing words of instruction to the church and signing off to the church in Corinth with a blessing. Paul writes, Finally, brothers and sisters, farewell. Put this in order. Listen to my appeals. Agree with one another. Live in peace. And the God of love and peace will be with you. Greet one another with a holy kiss. Obviously, he didn't know anything about social distancing at that time. All the saints greet you, and the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God, and the communion of the Holy Spirit be with all of you. Now, that final benediction seems to be the only place where the Trinity comes into this reading. And we've probably gotten so accustomed to hearing a similar blessing at the end of every church service that we don't really pick up on it and really understand it. But by failing to do so, I believe we're missing the very proclamation that is meant to bring us the closest we can get to wrapping our minds and hearts around the makeup of God, the Holy Trinity. You see, in the benediction, rather than trying to explain the individuality of the personhood of God and Trinity, it instead focuses on the relationship and the interaction within the divinity and through the divinity to the people of God. Paul's Trinitarian blessing begins with the grace that's offered by Jesus Christ as a real action of loving salvation, giving freely and without reservation to any and all people who will believe. Next is the love of God. Because even if we cannot fully envision God as God is, we can and do absolutely encounter, experience, and know God as love, from which grace and the Spirit always flow. And finally, we are given the communion of the Holy Spirit, that action through God which binds the grace of Christ and the love of God together for all of us personally in community. This is the great Christian blessing that is far less about identifying who God is and far more about how God touches us through divine action and through relationship. And this incredible loving relationship of God in three persons and God in everything is embedded by Jesus himself when we read this morning in the Gospel of Matthew, Jesus setting forth his great commission, telling his followers to go out and make disciples of all nations by first baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. 
This is sort of like making Christian discipleship itself begin with initiation into a God who is bound up in a loving relationship with the whole creation and in three divine persons, always acting independently, but always being one God. God says, I am who I am. And all we really know about this God is that God is relational within the very makeup of God and in the way God chooses to love us and to act in the world. Friends, that focus on God in relationship is really what I hope and pray you will spend time with this Trinity Sunday. What else you got to do? It's raining outside. Not what the Holy Trinity is or what analogy connects with it in our minds. That'll always fail. But how this loving God in three persons reaches into our hearts and resets us towards living in loving relationship with God and with all that God has created. For if this is where we can rest on Trinity Sunday, then I believe the God that is reworking our hearts in loving interconnected relational action can begin to help the church reshape our shaken and divided world, which is happening right now. Because if we believe and follow a God of grace, love, and communion for all of us who, as Genesis tells us, were made in the image of God, then there can be no place for violence or division in the community of God. No place for bias or bigotry in our relationships with each other. No place for racism. No place for hatred. If we are disciples of Jesus Christ in love with God and in communion with the Holy Spirit, This is the good news we made a covenant to share and to build up. And that good news can and will change everything. So as the Apostle Paul says, let us put things in order, brothers and sisters. Let us listen to the Apostle's appeal through the Holy Scripture. Let us agree with one another and live in peace. And the God of love and peace will be with us. And the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God, and the communion of the Holy Spirit, God in three persons, blessed in loving Trinity, be with all of us.